Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you? Doing very well. It's good to be here in Wormtown, as I've said previously, nestled in our little black box, but it's going to be fun to go to New Orleans soon. It is. We're going to New Orleans this weekend for CrimeCon. And if you are on the fence still, A, what are you doing? It's almost too late. It really is. Get off the fence. Yeah. And B, just use code CRAWLSPACE19 and uh, help yourself out, save 10%. So, Lance, this episode here today was recorded at our panel with Bruce Maitland, Greg Overacker, Lou Barry, and Chloe Cantor. Yep, this was at the Riverwalk Cafe. It was our live show, our intimate engagement over there in Nashua, New Hampshire, last uh, Wednesday, the uh, 22nd of May, Mm -hmm. actually a couple Wednesdays ago. But, uh, yeah, it went really well. I want to thank everybody for coming out. Everyone got a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people were very relieved to see Bruce speak about Brianna. And it was very interesting to hear the investigative process through Lou and through Greg. Big thanks to the Riverwalk. Um, I'm going to fall on a sword and say I sort of dropped a ball because I thought that people like um, Bruce and Lou and Greg, they were very nervous about being on stage. So. I brought these little lapel microphones. I thought that it might help them. They wouldn't have to worry about a microphone. Turns out that lapel microphones are not that good for PA broadcast. So the uh, people over there at the Riverwalk, the employees, the staff, they did um, an excellent job compensating for a lack of volume, and we sort of uh, made adjustments on the fly. But the audience stuck with us, and for the most part, it was the information that was really the most important part of everything. Yeah, and the audio came out all right. Yeah, the audio came out pretty good, despite... Yeah, there's some little blips here and there, um, but it's it's still pretty good and listenable. And this is actually going to be a two-part episode, Lance. So part two will likely come out next week, and we'll probably do some comments uh, on the video Um, of this very episode so if you want to leave a comment we will likely read it in next week's intro great and we will be doing other shows at the riverwalk Uh, let's just get through crime con and start thinking about a show maybe in uh, july or august sounds good so thank you very much for listening check us out on patreon we're doing weekly stuff there patreon.com slash crawlspace podcast and check us out on stitcher premium the entire crawlspace archive is there stitcherpremium.com use promo code mmm that stands for missing Mora murray which is one of our other podcasts sort of the flagship one and uh, pretty easy to remember thank you very much for listening I'm Greg. I'm a private investigator. I got involved with Brianna's case. Father's Day of 2006, I saw Brianna's poster on the New York State Thruway, and I contacted class kids who are, uh, they did the original searches Mm -hmm. for Brianna, and they put us in touch, and that's kind of how that came to be. Uh, You'll recognize class kids from Poly Class. Obviously, Mark Class started class kids, and he did the original searches and put us in touch. I originally met Bruce and Kelly in Governor, New York, when they had moved out of Vermont. And kind of went from there. Okay, thanks. And Bruce Maitland, how are you tonight? All right, I'm doing All fine. Right. Yeah. Thanks for having me down. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Brianna's dad, and uh, most of you know her story. Uh, you know, I'll be happy to answer questions at some point when it comes to that time if you have anything specific you want to know but uh, you know Brianna went missing after work a car was found and uh, you know 
She hasn't been found since. Uh, these guys have been a godsend to me. You know, they've helped me out and done a lot for me over the years. Uh, you know, when I met Greg, I certainly didn't trust him. <laughs> I still don't. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of uh, PIs. Want to be PIs is probably a better word. That kind of came different times, and uh, you know when 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 I finally figured out kind of Greg was the real deal, uh, that that's just kind of took off, and we've come to trust each other. And when Lou came on. Lou's been absolutely indispensable too, uh, with his police skills and clear thinking, and it's just uh, you know been really nice to me to have uh, a couple of guys that are willing to you know put their time and energy into helping me out. So uh, you said you you had some uh, private investigators approach you in the early days, but uh, but Greg kind of has obviously stuck with you and and uh, must have shown something different uh, to you. And I guess, can you identify what that is? He's willing to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Willing to get pretty, in trouble? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, willing to do pretty much everything I've asked him so far. Um, you know, it, it's kind of the typical private investigator line is people come up and say, well, I, I think I can solve this for you. Uh, tell me everything you know. And, and that's just kind of mind-boggling in a way. Uh, and when you, and I've done that a few times where you've kind of poured out pretty much a lot of to get someone started, and uh, you know, a week later when it can't be solved in five minutes, you know, they're gone. And I think some of that is probably the TV culture where they just think, oh, you know, there's just some easy missing piece that that somebody hasn't covered and it just doesn't work that way in that's real actually life. the first thing we know when someone's not credible what's the first when thing? they say we'll figure this out don't and, worry we'll figure it out and then you'll almost expect them to leave they at think some point get the information and go ta-da you know doesn't work that way yeah. and what about lou when uh when lou came on what was it uh about lou that uh made you realize he was here to stay and can make a difference Oh, Lou, Lou just kind of proved himself from day one. I don't know how else to really put that. You know? He's got some experience. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I told Bruce the first time we met him, the chances of solving this are probably very, very slim. We get it. We're willing to give it a shot anyways. I'm a podcaster without a microphone. I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, should we talk a little bit about uh, private investigations for the missing? Yeah, I think we should get into private investigations for the missing. And um, uh, Bruce, if you want to explain how that started and what your overall goal is. Greg and I started talking about it. And actually, I think it was probably your idea yeah. initially. And we started talking about this because you run into a situation where uh, when someone goes missing, I mean, the first thing a lot of people have a... And uh, you know, don't take this wrong, Lou. But you have a you have an opinion that the police are there to help you out. And I had never interacted with the police before all this happened in my entire life. And uh, you think that you know uh, they're going to actually help you solve it and 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 find your daughter. And uh, after a number of 
initial difficulties of that sort of thing, you, you kind of, you come to a situation where the leads are either slow or have dried up completely, and you're left as someone that will do practically anything in the world to find your daughter. Your option then is really to, well, you have two options. You can go interview people on yourself, by yourself, which, which I found out pretty quickly after doing that a number of times with, with some different circumstances that happened that I really don't want to go into public with. That, that's a really dumb idea. Uh, because you're emotionally involved in a large sense and words get passed and, and things happen. And so you're left with, with trying to find someone that has a sense of, a little bit of a sense of detachment to be able to do interviews and, and be able to think a little more logically in that, in the aspect than you as a parent is able to. And so... We talked about this for, what, two years? Yeah, wow. I think. And, and I wasn't really emotionally ready to do it. I've kind of come concluded. And quite frankly, I'm still not sure I'm 100% yeah. emotionally ready to do it. Uh, but we decided to go ahead and go forward with it anyhow because people need help out there. Because if you are not a really, really wealthy person, you cannot afford to have a private investigator uh, come out and do that kind of work. I mean, it, it would just destroy you financially because there's so many avenues that they have to work. Uh, so it's not that the police don't want to help. It's just that they're the police. They're busy. They're constantly pulled away. They have a heavy burden. And you expect someone to be looking for your daughter every day. And for that to happen it takes money. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to travel to Vermont. There's hotels, there's gas, there's paperwork, there's food, and it's overwhelming. So, Okay, so I think that that might come to a, uh, a more greater question. Where, like, why would, why do these cases fall off the priority list? And what does a private investigator provide when, when the cases aren't up on the priority list as high as the family members would want them to be? Be a good and question for you, Lou. Yeah. Well, you know, crime doesn't stop, and you get a case, you know, for instance, like this that um, draws a lot of publicity and notoriety in the beginning. And but as time goes on, uh, you know, investigations like this can be tedious because you're um, contacting witnesses or potential witnesses or whatever can take a lot of time and travel. Um, and over periods of time, other things happen, and you're, you only have so many resources, and you can't spread yourself too thin. And um, other cases tend to take priority, and um, you know the, the cases that you're not making any progress on tend to fall behind. And um, not that that's a good thing, but it's a reality. I think every department has um, limited resources to one extent or another. Um, the advantage of a private investigator is they they um, are working on a particular they can devote their time to that. Um, the downside is obviously they don't have the resources that a um, official department, a police department does, a municipality does. Uh, yet, on the other hand, um, I've found, and I think Greg will, will echo this, that many people are reluctant to speak to the police for one reason yeah. or another, maybe a bad experience, or they don't really want to become involved officially, yeah. but they will speak to us. And I've found that a number of times in this particular case also, that um, people have said, yeah, I, why didn't you, we knew this information, why didn't you come forward with it? Well, I didn't want to 
bother them or I don't want to talk to them or, or whatever. So. And even people who know that you're former law enforcement are still more likely to come to you than... It seems that way. I, you know, I, I've had pretty good luck with people coming in with information, some of which, um, you know, is relatively uh, fresh in the sense that they've never told anybody this before. But, and they have all sorts of reasons why not. But, um, you know, we're still 15 years later, or 14 years later, still getting information, fresh information. Can you imagine initially when everyone was looking for Brianna and then it starts to die down and every day you get up and you go to work and everyone's going about their day like nothing has happened and the police are directing traffic and you're thinking, why aren't they looking for my daughter? Why isn't the world stopped? Was that what you initially went through, kind of? Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much quit working for two months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and just, you wonder why hasn't not. everybody stopped and, and, and helped? And, but every time they're doing something... Yeah of less value it's like my gosh you know yeah why aren't they you doing know, this what, but they why can't aren't you doing this it's, it's just too, too much the other aspect of bruce's nonprofit is to help out families um, as he said very very few people have the financial resources to hire a private investigator to work for them and um you know i've been a fortunate position where i can do it for nothing and, and i think greg has volunteered his time uh for nothing over the years um but you know obviously you know not everybody can do that. Um, not every private investigator wants to do that. They have to make a living, obviously, so they can't work for nothing. How much do they usually charge a private investigator? Uh, yeah, you know, I would say it would probably depend, but $100 an hour would not be um, unusual. And the ex even the, just the expenses, like trips to Vermont, yeah. you know, staying overnight one or two nights, you know, you meals, you add all that up, gas, and, and it becomes... Um, it gets it, deeper than that, too. I mean, I lived alone for years. I would just get in my car and drive up there and just live in hotels. But I could do that. I didn't have a family to come home to to have to. I wasn't interrupting anyone else in my life. You would just do that spontaneously, take oh, a trip well, up there? If we had something going on we wanted to do, get in my car and go. Yeah. You know. And you'd, you'd, do this, you'd do this on your own dime? He paid expenses, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. So I'd take a few days off from work and go. What about uh, tips? Are, are, is every tip valuable? have some value I, I wish it did um you know and that's part of the process is weeding out the, the wheat from the chafe and it's uh, you know you don't want to discount anything no matter how unlikely it might sound because that could be the tip that solves it but uh, you know that could be very frustrating too when you spend a lot of time on things and find out that that's he's very used to this i'm not to getting well i am now to getting calls from people that are just certifiable and tell you things that are just don't make any sense whatsoever and why they want to interject themselves or people will honestly send you on a goose chase well so that that really speaks to like a cultural thing that we're experiencing now and you know doing what we do and we 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 have a lot of people who reach out to us and and i think tim and i sort of have a uh a sixth sense for when you're reading an email and you get into a certain part of the email and you're like, oh my God, this is... Yeah. Like, if you are if you have an email on your phone and you start scrolling and scrolling, you're like, okay, this is this is crazy. And talking about Jimmy Hoffa. Right, they're talking... Of it, and everything is connected and everything is... They're, they're trying to make sense of, of one, you know, one thing that probably is so arbitrary. And that's just us as, like, not professionals. I can't imagine what it's like for, first of all, law enforcement, but... 
for it's hard when it's going to cost you money and time and emotion and all that other stuff. And everybody kind of connects more with Brianna, which we don't know. We've always left it on the table, but they're superficially they're the same. But once you go deeper, they're they're a lot different. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know that, Maura Murray uh, disappeared about a month before Brianna. Very similar circumstances with the vehicle being left on the side of the road. Um, at some point, though, you just have to say that this is. It's not connected, and it, it is just a matter of two very similar circumstances over over the course of uh, of, of a you know short duration. Yeah, because they're up where they are in a sparsely populated area, they've always been related from that in the time frame. But that doesn't stop people from trying to make the connections between yeah. the two. And if you're looking at it so deeply, you you start seeing things that aren't there, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it's an odd thing, and we don't know, but we've always left it open, but. There's a lot of differences. Yeah. How, how many of those moments have you had where someone has reached out to you, either, any one of the three of you, where you say, I know this, in the back of my head, I know this is not legit, but what if? Like you, yeah, we have to look. You have to follow uh, up on it. Do each one of you have experiences like that? With, it happens, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> we did a tip campaign two years ago up yeah. in Burlington, and some of the stuff we got was very useful. Some of it was like, you know, I, I saw a van 30 miles away with a guy and a girl in it two weeks after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be yeah. connected. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, and you get a lot of things like that where people in their minds think, make this connection. That, I just can't imagine the police, how many tips they must have had like that. It must have just been overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. In any, any case like that receives this type yeah. of notoriety is going to get... Yeah. Um, a lot of, and the, and the sad thing is, um, you can't discount anything because, yeah. you know, it's one of them could be, could be accurate. Yeah. Right, and a tip like that, where it's kind of random, uh, do, does it seem like there's something more that the person wants to share, or is it no, just that was, random? That was it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. When you follow up with them, that's you know. And you're kind of like waiting for more, yeah, and why there, there is no that? more. Yeah, nothing. Uh, the other, I think, frustrating thing is, it, it, and Greg and I have talked about this, whenever you have a case that has no obvious answers, there's always this small segment of people saying, oh, it's a police cover-up. And it's I've a default heard that position. over and over on different cases. Your mind wants to have an answer. Yeah. It's a default? When you don't have an answer, you go to a default position, and that's usually the way they say, well, the police were there. Well, yeah, they were there. They're the police. <laughs> You know, like in Morris' situation, that's been kind of a big thing, and I want to go into that and get people pissed off at me. But, you know, they kind of insinuated that the police were involved because the police were on the scene, and there's a very small gap of time that's unaccounted for in the police logs. Well, the police were on the scene because they're the police. I don't know how else to go into that, but... Yeah, you're saying the police were on the scene because they were they're the police and they there were called. If you've, yeah. if, if you've got something else to back that up, that's different. Right. Yeah. I think people just see that as a explanation that yeah. explains why something makes no sense. Oh, well, well it's hear, hearing yeah. a noise in the woods and thinking it's Bigfoot. Well, maybe right. it is Bigfoot. I don't know, but it's, there's it's a lot not of things logic. that make noises in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of one of those situations. Well, as a private investigator, how how do you train your brain to not think like that? I don't know. I just I see. That. Well, you have a very if, if you have I a very gonna, logical way of thinking. If you I have was your... going to point my finger at the police, at anybody, I want something to back it up. And especially the police were there to help. 
And there's just nothing to back it up. If there was, I'd be the first to jump on it. And it's happened. I mean, there's there's cases of it happening. So, but in cases like this, <clears throat> there are so many agencies involved at so many different levels that it would be almost impossible. You know, when the FBI is involved, the state police are involved, the district yeah. attorneys involved, the state's attorneys involved, and the local police are involved. It's just too many, you know, cover-ups like that just don't, don't occur. You know? General rule of thumb in the conspiracy is the more people involved, the less likely it is to happen, less likely it is to be true, and less likely that someone's going to keep it quiet, be able to keep it quiet. Yeah, so the more people who know, the less likely it is to be the case, and in Mora's case... It, it would have to who, go all the way. I'm, I don't know a ton about Morris' case, but who was the police officer that they were insinuating was involved? It was a, oh, I, I don't even know, oh, to tell okay. you the truth. Yeah. Numerous. Yeah. Oh. The, um, many people have, yeah. many Just, different officers it, have been. I thought it was but, someone in particular. But that's a good question because. Is anybody here now? No, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any, like, one definitive theory out there for that because. I think it's there were people there by nature watching. I mean, there's yeah. a neighbor. There was a few neighbors, right? If that's something like that was going to happen, that's a it's a pretty dicey situation to try to do something like that. Well, e even in Brianna's case, it was mentioned, you know, that the first officer that saw the car. See, it must be, they didn't do anything. It must be a cover up. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just yeah. it's a default. Position. It just yeah, exactly. America, we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Okay, so can you take us to um, the, the uh, beginning of Brianna's case as far as the first officer? I mean, who, who, who found the car and, and how did you figure out that this was uh, Brianna's car? And Can you take us back to that and, and your interaction with law enforcement in the beginning? Um, well, the, fir the, the, the first officer on the scene came by, uh, I mean, on the following day. Right. And uh, because Brianna was staying with a friend, yeah, I mean, and she uh, was out of town, it, it, no one was alerted. No, right away. Nobody really knows. The officer took down some basic information. Uh, you've probably heard most of the story, and uh, he, uh, you know, slapped it in his notebook, called for a tow truck, and went home for a long weekend. That's huge too, because and, the car uh, was registered to Kelly, right? Yes, the car was registered. And so my first contacts with police were just. Not I was livid. You know, the whole situation for for weeks and months, it was almost a it was a battle with the police, is more than it was, a, you know, a, a, any kind of a helping hand. And uh, I I don't want to go into a lot of that. I've, I've had a lot with the police, and and they've done some some great work. And you know, afterwards, uh, I mean, two, two former heads of the Vermont State Police are on this board. Uh, you know, so that tells you that some of the people there, that the esteem that I kind of hold some of these people in. And so, uh, but... Uh, they wholeheartedly admit that they made mistakes initially. And those people are gone. Yeah, that was probably the, one of the best things that happened is the guys, the, the guys who were there early retired out. 
Uh, you know, I mean, and they just had preconceptions that, uh, you know, were, were not true, and, and just different things happened in that. But uh, that kind of getting back to the private investigators, I mean, when, when I tried to put this board together, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time putting the board together, and thankfully I got these two guys on it. So that's Anything been, uh, you, need, you know, absolutely great. But, but you know, the, the two, some of the duties of... Uh, Tom Lesbrance and Jim Baker, the two former heads of Vermont State Police, is that when we reach out, start to reach out to people to be able to help them with their cases, we want to have qualified people doing it. I don't want other people to go through the same thing with I do with investigators that are going to walk up and say, I'm going to help you solve this, or people that are quasi-investigators. So part of their job is to actually going to be to look at the people that are the investigators and do some pre-screening and make sure that the people that are doing going to be doing the workforce are good qualified people and then the combination of and Lou will attest to that I mean you know you've got to be when you go into a case you've got to be able to work with the local police to some aspect and and this is what I'm hoping that those guys you know will be able to form that bridge which so has been the, an issue with Morris you know, kind of I think there's been tension there between the police and the family. Yeah, for sure. In Morris, and, and it's not helping. Yeah. Help. Right. Okay. So that's a, that's a pretty decent um, comparison, I guess. When you're when you look at the the relationship that you've maintained with law enforcement in Vermont, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that was that was a decision on your part to to uh, to keep that relationship going, even yeah. though they did not address it immediately as uh, as as efficiently as they should have well i mean we 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 actually i mean when when those guys retired out and uh, and jim baker come in as the head of vermont state police uh they come out to my farm sit down at the table uh with my family and we had a long discussion uh about everything that happened and uh and how and and greg says they wholeheartedly admitted well yeah, they kind of, you know, yeah, whatever. But, uh, you know, they, they can only, they, you know, they can only uh, Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the, the end result was things did change. And it changed. They, they made some huge procedural changes in the way that they did things from here on out. And, and I could see that, you know, there were two guys there sitting across the table from me that really wanted to help and to make changes. The, the first not identifying the car was just huge because it causes this huge gap in time and if you look at how angry fred was about different things in morris case but i can't imagine how angry he must have been I mean, that caused a four-day gap up for a simple thing just got cars off the road crashed yeah contact the registered owner that would have eliminated all that it would have been it would have been like what a 14 15 hour time frame instead of four days that was huge but you come to a realization at some point is i mean even even the private investigation guys can only go so far they can develop a lead they can talk to all the people they can bring it all up but in the end the police are the government authority they're the only ones that are going to make arrests and put the cuffs on people and see anything happen we're just gathering in the end, information yeah they're going to do the work so when you gather the information you hand it off Absolutely. to the appropriate authority that's it's like faith you just have to trust that they're going to do it have you ever had a moment where you've wanted to do something on your own? Yeah. 
all the time. <laughs> I know. You don't want to backdoor them, but you know, right. to hand over information that you think is really, really good, and just walk away is hard to do. But you know, they they follow up with Bruce and let them know that they've worked it and stuff like that. So they do follow up with Bruce. Yeah, for the okay. most part. They, they do in a certain sense. I mean, we've had, um, I mean, I laid out rules over the years that they've kind of agreed with, and, and we kind of worked on some certain things in Brianna's case. And, and I guess two of the rules are if they've got a lead on something and I don't know about it, and, and I'll give you an example here. Um, I mean, they had a prisoner contact them probably about two years ago, and she says, I know where Brianna's buried. I can take you right out and show her where she is. So so they get the guy out of jail, and they go to where it is, and lo and behold, he just wants a day to get out of jail. You know, yeah. well, literally wants to just smoke uh, cigarettes. I don't need to know about that. Yeah. So that's what I pretty much we kind of talked about even before that happened, is like, I don't need to know about those leads. But if we... The other leads are what I consider to them, I call them my leads. And that's any leads that these guys develop or develop in any way that we give to them. And, you know, we've come to the agreement that if it's my leads, then I need to know about it. I want to know every aspect that can possibly be released. So that, that's one of the things you kind of work out with them. I'd say that's very admirable. You're able to transfer that anger into something more productive. Uh, what was that journey like for you? Can you just clarify that a little bit? Anger. I guess, how, how were you able to personally transfer that anger into something more productive? Anger at who? The police. The police and every, everything, I guess. Uh, it takes years, and it still flares up. You know, I mean, I still have frustrations with them, when, and, and it basically comes down to, you know, if I have a good lead and, and it doesn't get checked out quick enough, well, I get angry at that. But, I don't know, you just kind of learn to deal with it. it it's just, I don't know. I think they understand, too, in some, to a degree. You know, the frustration. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, it's difficult because it, it, the police are used to, you don't share information with... Yeah, um, we understand that. And... Um, one-way street yeah it's a one-way street yeah, and even absolutely. even now it's a one-way street we give them information and um and it's the we balls in their court it, yeah. at that point yeah. so um, and you, you know you got to understand that's the way it is that's all yeah but we're you know you and i um we can't do anything i mean we can find someone we can get information we can give it to them but as far as yeah. any prosecution goes or making a case that's their job not ours you know and it's upsetting to them too because people tell us stuff that they'll never tell them and then so you can get an account and then give yeah. it to them and then the police can go follow yeah. up and then the, and that's going to be frustrating for them because it's not they the can talk story. to the same person and not get that information. Why did you decide to get into being a private investigator? Me? Be yeah, because it sounds I was extraordinarily already, frustrating. I was, yeah, I was already doing all that work. I worked for bail bondsmen. I, worked, I was a repo guy at a process serving business and I did all three of them at once because one was a you know, make a living off of all three kind of thing, and everybody knew everybody and all that. And uh, when I started working for Bruce, it's, it's, it's something I wanted to pursue. 
did you have your uh, PI license before you yeah. worked yeah. for Bruce? Bounty hunters work under PI licenses in different states. Okay. Every state's different, yeah. yeah. And how often do you work with private investigators, Lou? Now? Uh, no, during your career in law enforcement. How, how, how common is that to this get? As little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there's generally, they do their thing, we do our thing, and there wasn't a lot of mix in between. Did you ever have any moments where you're like, I have this information that I'd really like to share with this licensed private investigator because you liked him, but you knew as a cop you couldn't do that? No. <laughs> it, has that changed? Has that culture changed at all over the years? No, I understand. The police have, you know, they have um, responsibilities that private investigator doesn't. So it's, you know, it's we're basically trying to do the same thing, but we answer to different parties. And I work for Bruce, and I... You know, when I do something and, and maybe the police aren't real thrilled about it, I said, I'm sorry, but I'm working for him. I'm not working for you. And when they do something I'm not happy about, they're not working for me. They're a Bruce. They're working for the state. So you got to understand that. And, um, you know, once you understand that, you can get along and, and you do your own thing and you know, share information when you can and not share it when you can't. You know? so. It's unfortunate that in Vermont, I think that they're just spread so thin that they're overburdened. I mean, and you have to take that into account and feel, feel kind of bad for them for that. Okay, so that's a big question about the, uh, the capacity of these small-town uh, precincts or small-town law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in Brianna's case, you have a car that's backed into the side of a house, and the arriving officer just assumes, I, I, I guess... It might be unfair to say that he assumed that it was somebody who was drinking and, and just spun out. And went Lou and I see this completely differently, but if you know cops, if you hang around a cop or you know a lot of cops, cops see weird stuff all the time, right. every day. <laughs> I've seen a lot of weird stuff, but cops do it every day. How many people have seen Brianna's car crashed into the house? You've seen the pictures? If you drove past that, wouldn't you think that was strange? Yeah. So what happened here? No. But, you know... Lou said, "Drunk drivers do that all the time, and cops see that we don't." Yeah, and you know, we Northern Vermont stuff. in that particular area. Any of you familiar with it? There's, there's not a lot of law enforcement presence up there. Yeah. And um, if you are at night and you get into an accident and you wait for the police, you could be there <laughs> quite a while. So I think people police. may have a tendency to say, "Well, I'll leave and deal with this in the morning." And yeah. so as a result, it's not unusual. I mean. The, that whole way that the way the accident happened was unusual, obviously. But yes. the fact that there's been an accident and the car's been abandoned, I don't think is, you know, anything that would say is extremely out of the ordinary up there. I think when you look at like Morris' case, I, I would be worried that she had a head injury. That would, the first yeah. thing that would pop into my head is crack in the windshield. She's got a head injury. Where did she go? She was I, just here. Yeah, yeah. and get, just getting back to Brianna's for a minute. Um, on his behalf, he did try. He went to the Black Lantern because there was some indication that she worked there because of the paycheck. Yeah. No, it wasn't open. You know, he went on about his day and then went on days off. So he made a half-hearted effort, anyways, to, to yeah. you know, identify what happened. And um, you know, it's unfortunate just the chain of circumstances that you know she didn't. She was living with another person who didn't come home that weekend and didn't see the note. So. But two days, three days went by before she was even considered to be missing. And that's where that gets odd for Brianna's case, too, is because if you look at Brianna statistically, she's looked at as a child because of her age, but the way she was living was more as an adult. 
Right, she was she was 17, right? She was 17, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, she was living more as an adult. But if you look at statistically about child abduction and things like that, in that age group, she just kind of doesn't fit properly. Right. I, w I will share one thing, too, though, was, was the difference between, like, the police and the public. And, I mean, people realize that, but the things, they realize this, but they don't think about it. It's like, when it came time right off when things happened, it's just like, the police can't just go into a place and search it. Oh, they've got to get a warrant. They've got to get permission. But when you go up there, and we were doing searches over huge expanses of forests and farms and other things. I mean, as private citizens, we just went in and did it. I mean, there's no, and I mean, when the class kids came up to kind of help me organize the search, I mean, we were organizing a group of people, and it's like out on the private property. If someone tells you that they don't want their property searched, come back and tell us. Yeah. So we can send a different group of guys out there or something yeah. and search it again, you know, or search yeah. it. So it, it's uh, it's just so many things like that that they're constrained with. I mean, I remember I went to the Black Lantern Inn, spoke to the owners, spoke to the cooks, and, uh, you know, I, I, and I said, hey, I said, I'd like your phone number list of everybody that made a call in and out of here. And they said, sure, we'll give it to you. Yeah. And he made an arrangement. So the next day I had the phone list. You know, I took that down to the police. And, I mean, at that time, the lieutenant was livid at me. Well, that How in the world did you get this? That was another Where, issue. We're not supposed to do that right away. And I said, well, I just asked the people for it. They gave it to me. Yeah. You know, but we can't use this because it wasn't properly, uh, you know. And I mean, so, you, but as a, as a private investigator, you can walk in, you can ask questions, and you can do things that, yeah, they're not I'll really ask you if I know the answer's One of the things that I, I say from time to time is that private investigators don't have to worry about a little thing called the Constitution. Yeah. Um, so that does give us a little bit of an advantage sometimes when it comes to yeah. doing investigations. They can only take your birthday away for trespassing. <laughs> That's it. How many days before the police went to the Black Lantern, the place she was last known to be? Oh, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but it was at least probably 10 days. Ten days. Uh, you know, so that's the second days. huge, huge thing that caused a rift. Yeah. And how is that even possible? That's the last known place she was at. Because they had a, a their their so-called groupthink was that she was a runaway. Absolutely. So, and that was that was so put they, out right they, to me. Oh, they, well, she probably ran away. She'll call you back in three or four or five days. And, and so. So they, when kids run away, they crash their cars first. And leave yeah, paychecks away. in their car. And run away. Yeah. But it's it's common in cases like this where uh, maybe not so much now. We've looked at them a lot differently. Where, but the organization will develop a theory, and that's yeah. the theory. That's what they go with. Instead of doing, you know, what we recommend now, doing multifaceted. Okay, you think it's a runaway? Fine, but let's also look at the, the option. It might be an abduction or. or something in, yeah. in, you know, going in different directions instead of everybody going in the same direction. And even in the worst case scenario, if we don't want to get sued, okay, as long as you go do it. But that was the second thing that caused mistrust, am I correct? That, that was the second thing, waiting 10 days to go or 12 days to go to the lantern. Yeah, well, was just well, there was so many things during that yeah, two-week yeah, yeah. period that I wouldn't well, that's where you, the first or the That's second. where you were at, right? Yeah. Just explaining. You're so. the official historian for most of that as far as keeping track of so, that. So, yeah. How many days till you find out? She goes, Friday she leaves work. Saturday the officer spots the car. 
12 hours later, after she leaves work, Jillian calls you on Tuesday? Monday. Monday? Yeah, Monday. You go calls. to the police on Tuesday? On Tuesday, yes. But well, we called the, we called the, uh, we, the police said, well, we first went to the police, they said, well, you know, she's probably gone off somewhere. And at that time, we didn't know the car was where it was. We didn't know anything about the car. So all we know is we don't know where Brianna is or the car. So he says, well, she's probably gone off somewhere. Uh, we'll put an APB out on the car. And then come to find out, they had the car. They had already had it towed, but it was still in that officer's notebook. And, but they, they didn't know that they had it. They didn't make the connection. That officer that. knew that he had the car. Knew that he had Brianna's car. But he was the only one. No, he, didn't, he didn't connect. He didn't make the connection. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. When do you officially find out when you go to the tro trooper barracks? Which is what, Wednesday? It's probably actually Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Even. yeah. And the officer's there. And the officer happens to be there. And, you know, we describe the car and he says, oh, wait a minute. And he goes, takes us in the back and he opens up and there's the picture of the car that you see against the building. So he did take photos? He took a photo. You thought yeah, it was odd enough to take a photo? Well, I think he, any, probably any abandoned car they find, they probably snap a photo of it, right? Yeah, what about an accident report or anything like that? Was anything like that done? I don't know the answer no, to that I, question. I don't know either, but I doubt it because it wouldn't be probably be done until they located the owner. And in this case, yeah. it's an abandoned house. Which, again, they could have done by tracing that registration. Mm -hmm. What about uh, an accident recreation or anything like that? Has there any ever been any... Uh, Thoughts on the Once the car goes to a tow yard and then there's uh, contamination after that, people go in there. And yeah, you, you do a reconstruction at, at the time. It's kind of hard to put one together. Unless, you know, there's some uh, forensic evidence, there's skid marks or something. In this case, it was just a few marks in the grass. And, yeah. And, uh, mark on the foundation where the bumper had, had hit, and that's about it. So. Okay. Yeah, and you mentioned forensics. Uh, do we know that there's any... DNA uh, found in in the car or anything potentially belonging to the perpetrator yeah how, how much uh, how much work has been done inside the car it, yeah from the photographs it appears as though they've taken upholstery pieces or whatever and they have said that there's been DNA but the relative worth of that is you don't know Keeping nasty pests out of your house shouldn't mean bombing everything with harsh chemicals. Aunt Fanny's Pest Solutions Kill em With Kindness, taking on household pests with essential oils and plants. Not scary stuff. Not scary. Safe, near people, and furry friends, Aunt Fanny's formulas are free from dyes, phenols, formaldehyde, and petroleum propellants. And you can use coupon code crawlspace at checkout for 20% off your entire order at antfannies.com slash bugs. Do it. Use code crawlspace. Get rid of those bugs. 
When a person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait.